None of us are as smart as we think we are at one <laughs> point in our lives. Doesn't that get proven wrong fairly readily? Fairly handily by experience. But the problem is that I don't think I'm that smart. So if I'm not as smart as I think I am, then I'm really not smart. Oh, yeah. You're in deep, you're in deep doo-doo there, girlfriend. Deep doo-doo girlfriend. Hi, this is my deep doo-doo girlfriend, Diane. Hi there, everybody. It's... 9.15 a.m. Saturday, January the 7th, 2023. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. I think I went a little sharp there on the last note. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> All of my uh, abilities, Diane, are slowly sinking in the West. All of them, each and every one. I can't say it's anymore. I, I used to be able to go real high with the it's, but I didn't. You know. I'm sorry, Bill. I don't, that's okay. I don't blame you. I don't hold you solely responsible. Let's oh, say that. <laughs> but uh, there are some things going on here. Well, hanging out with this gal. It's my Steve Breadcrust. Interpretation, my Steve Breadcrust impersonation. <laughs> you is Breadcrust? Breadcrust. Breadcrust? Yeah, there were names for everybody. Jerry Eyes and Ears. Uh, I can't remember. What was yours? I don't think I had one. <laughs> you just made them. I think you had to be you, there. You for... were the one who made them up. <laughs> no. It sounds like you. <laughs> <laughs> no, somebody else told me about them. I can't remember who it was. Oh, well. Radio days, Diane. A brief but intense period of my life. I guess it was about ten years. That's not bad. That's one-eighth of my life. One-seventh. One-six-and-a-half-fifth of my life. You know, can we move on to another topic now? Because, you know... I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. I've yet to find one, and I've been talking for some time. And, uh, yeah, I am an egg. I could talk about the candlelight, the fairy flecks, the, the general feeling of uh, smoothness and, and uh, the kind of the restful uh, qualities of the day. Uh, but there aren't any of those, so... There are so. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just jiving around, Diane, because I think I can't think of anything because I'm not fully conscious. Well, what kind of a week was it? Oh, well, we're going all there already? Well, I haven't even tossed yet. I mean, uh, it's been, I would say it's been a... Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, it's been a... Uh, it's been a fantabulous week here in Lake Abundance. It's been creative and uh, social. It's been... Uh, yeah, you know, celebratory on certain levels. It's been dulcetory. It's been dilapidated. It's been... Depressing. <laughs> no. Really? Mostly it's been delightful. I get to hang out with a cool chick, Dan. I don't know if I've told you about this about me. I get to hang out with this cool chick all the time who always makes things better. Yeah? Like soup, <laughs> a quiche, yeah. Yeah. sourdough rolls. 
Those heated up ones from last night, oh baby. And you know, she, most of the people who used to like me now will come over because Diane lives here. <laughs> and I, so I get to kind of sit around the edges and kind of, you know, uh, make jokes and things, you know, um, can be the comic relief uh, for certain moments of our social interactions, which I appreciate because otherwise I don't think I'd see anybody. No, that I'd is probably not just right. be upstairs in my office, kind of just sitting there going, and writing about how lonely I was. That's what my life would be without you in it, Diane. A vast wasteland. <laughs> Discarded thoughts. You know, and ideas that have long outlived their usefulness. Things of that nature. Over to you. I think this week has been very social. Yeah. And, um, and very delicious. It's been well, delicious. Well, yeah, there's that. I have the I made gut a, to prove it. I made a, my usual ten vegetable soup. Yeah. But sometimes it just comes out yeah, I know. even better than usual. I mean, it it always is good. But sometimes it's just like, oh my gosh, this Maybe is... Maybe it's just the quality of the vegetables. I think it is. Yeah, I yeah. think it is. Huh. And definitely, this pot of soup was really, it's really good. good pot of soup, Diane. It's a classic. So, I think we should have it bronzed. So we decided to invite Jim Page and Katie over because you had been wanting to have them come over for this just soup. Just because I knew that they'd like the soup. Yeah. This is the kind of soup that Jim would just gobble us up. And then we invited Kelly and Mary over too. And uh, it turned out due to uh, symptomatic uh, uh, evidence um, that we only ended up with Jim. Kelly was not feeling well. Katie was not feeling well. So that kind of shut them out. And I didn't think Mary wanted to come over on her own. Why? It would just be she and you against me and Jim. It would, be not a, <laughs> it would not be a good scene for her. So, you know, I don't blame you, Mary. And, uh, but, so Jim came over. And it was a delightful evening. It was pure delight. What the heck? We just enjoyed the food and enjoyed uh, lots of conversation and played a couple of songs. And it always amazes me that you can have people over for something as simple as some soup some and soup. a roll and some salad. You know? yeah, yeah. And then, you know, Jim's just kind of starts to pack up to leave and then he sits down and plays like five or six songs for us. He was trying to remember these songs that he'd written during the pandemic that uh, he'd never really done anything with. You know? I was really I, surprised that he did that. Me I, too. I, was I thought he was on his way out, and then he just sat well, down. Wait a minute. <laughs> and he starts playing a little bit. Yeah. Well, first he asked what time it was, and I told him it was oh, 9.30. 9.30. And he said, well, that's pretty good that's for pretty an old good. guy. Yeah, and then he just sat down and started, started playing, playing some songs. And then as he was actually packing up the leave, he was checking his phone and He'd gotten a text from Katie saying, it's 10 p.m., time to come home, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that was delightful. So, uh, Jim and Katie have been together 30 years, 30-some years. And, uh, so Kelly and Mary, we're the, we're the punks. We've only been together 14 years. Well, I'm so glad to have this big pot of soup to bring people together. Yeah, to and I also guests. had... Uh, at the same soup with Cindy oh. Gackstatter Clark. Yeah. 
Sorry I missed you, Cindy. Oh, man, it was such a wonderful, a wonderful time with Cindy, too. I just, ah, oh, friends, it's just yeah, the best. That was yesterday, too? No. No, was, that was on Thursday. But two friends who opened a world of music to you in the same week. I know, isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's pretty darn good. Because for those listeners who have listened for a long time, Cindy was the one who introduced me to this whole world. Uh, well, Jim was the first one. And then Cindy, because of my interest in this music, had given me, when I was working at Perkins Coie Stone Olson and Williams, she worked there too. And she gave me this, the famed folk, folk rock tape which set me off in this world of exploration that I've never stopped yeah. enjoying. There you go. Yeah, two in the same week, that's pretty darn good. Had a decent week at work. The poetry break was, was for me, absolutely phenomenal. Um, I don't know how it was for everybody else. And I realized I forgot to read Mary's stuff. The stuff that she sent us, the Italian stuff. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so I'm going to have to do that this week. You know, it's interesting, folks, having a weekly TV show. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what it feels like. You know. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Well, and you this... know, that is one of the things I love about YouTube. Now, I mean, I'm, I know yours is Facebook. Uh, well, it, ends, it ends up on YouTube. But I have discovered so many wonderful little documentary type of things oh, yeah. that from the things that I enjoy that somebody else is doing. And I just think that is amazing. Oh. Like one of the ones that I found just recently is this wonderful history of food. Oh, yeah. Um, by this guy named Max Miller. He, it's called Tasting History. Yeah. And he basically, every time, he's just very engaging. He's funny and... Um, he worked for Disney for a while, oh. I learned. So, uh, But then he got interested in doing this, and now this is his whole focus. But he had this passion for history. He really loves history, and he decided to uh, talk about history in the ways that I like to talk about history, which is, how did people live? You know, we, we love Lucy Worsley for the right. same reason. Yeah. It isn't just... How did people get conquered? How did people... Yeah, tell us all about the wars. The politics, the wars, the... You know, <coughs> but how did people live? And he'll choose a recipe from various ancient cookbooks. And make. He'll, he'll make it yeah. with as, as many of the, the ingredients as you can get. Because some of them you can't even get over here or... Yeah. You know, like lamb's lung or something like that. <laughs> so he'll tell you different things to lamb's replace lung, it. Lamb's lung, Diane. But there was a wait. There was a recipe that had lamb's lungs in it. The haggis. Haggis has lamb's lungs. Yeah. Oh god. If we go to Scotland, Diane, no haggis. No haggis. No. I, I I will follow you in that. Okay. Uh, wholeheartedly. Okay. But he. He kind of talks about the recipe, and, and uh, but he doesn't show you exactly blow by blow. He's, he's kind of just giving you the roughest uh, 
overview of right. how you can make it for yourself if you wanted to. But then he has this thing that comes down saying time for history, and he talks about the history of why this uh, dish was the way it was. And the histories are amazing. So why, why is haggis the way it is? Why does haggis have lamb's lungs in it? Well, you don't remember? That's well, you'd have to go into the... I mean, he yeah. basically doesn't talk about why it has the things in it. Oh. It does. But it just talks about what the history of the... What the circumstances were. That what what was going that. on, why the, the people were doing what they were doing. Mm. In that particular episode, he didn't even make the haggis. Oh. Um, his time for history on that was uh, actually he talked about how so many Scottish people love this dish but it wasn't just a Scottish dish it was also an English dish mm. but then it became associated with the Scots but he um, actually had a guy from Scotland make the haggis that he was just visiting Scotland and was watching it because he said man you cannot make this yeah. unless you're experienced yeah. at it yeah. uh, especially you because, kill somebody with it well because you have to you have to stuff it in a sheep's intestine and uh that's the the outer coating that's why people really dismay over haggis just the sounds of it is just like Ooh. Yeah. but it's actually sort of like a sausage with oatmeal in it too and anyway huh. But then he had a guy recite the Robert Burns poetry uh, about Haggis. So that was a little bit different than some of the other histories. Right. Um, the ones, one of the ones I showed you that I thought was really amazing and interesting was about um, hardtack. Oh, yeah. Uh, and how it was used in the Civil War days uh, to make this stew that they called hellfire stew because they only had certain kinds of ingredients to eat and they were trying to make up something with the rations that they had so that they could do something with the heart attack because um, you could break a tooth if you just tried to eat it yeah yeah well so, can i uh, i yeah. had an, uh, a bit of an adventure and this goes back to 1976 ladies and gentlemen, uh, the year that I and many of my friends graduated from high school. And uh, in the year 1976, in the spring of 76, uh, many of us were involved with a play that was put on by Terry Meisenberg, our drama teacher, in high, at Stadium High School in Tacoma. And the play was Ronnie Bowana, Jungle Guide. And it was, a, it was written by somebody from the Empty Space Theater in Seattle. And Terry had purloined or appropriated a copy of the script and decided to pre present this play. And I don't think he immediately told the people at Empty Space that he was doing it. It was sometime during the rehearsal period he contacted them and admitted what he was doing. And some of the Empty Space Theater people ended up coming down and uh, I think they came to one set of rehearsals and then they came and saw one of the performances. You know, you prepare for like five months for two nights because there were only two performances of this play. But part of the play, I mean, it had choreography, it had music, so Mr. Margelli, the music teacher, was involved and 
he brought Terry brought in a choreographer to work with the dancers and and uh, it was we filmed at Tacoma Industrial Airport for one afternoon um, and we part of the play also was a film that was shown during the play to, to introduce the characters and then between act one and act two is where this the airport scenes came in and Sometime in college, I believe, my friend Wes, who made the film, he was assisted by a guy named Bill Wiggins, and uh, but I think just by watching the film and the way that shots were set up and stuff, I can tell that that Wes did a lot of the filming of the actual parts that were in the play. And I'm not sure it might have been both of them that were doing a lot of the back behind the scenes stuff. There's a lot of images of of. Uh, young people like sewing costumes and building building scenery and hanging lights and rehearsal scenes and stuff like that and sometime in college Wes handed me this this zipper bag um, that had the reel of 16 millimeter film from Ronnie Buona and he said you should hold on to this because I'm afraid I'm gonna lose it and so I said trust me I will keep it safe and so I've had that movie in my possession for like 40 years and never knew what to do with it or how to even get to a place where I could see it again and uh, my mom this year had entrusted me with some slides um, that were actually candid photos taken at hers and my dad's wedding and uh, she wanted me to get them converted to digital so that she could have prints made of these photos which she hadn't seen since you know, I actually, I don't think she'd ever seen them. I think an old friend of theirs who had been there that day taking pictures actually sent her these slides at some point, and she'd never looked at them. So they'd been in a drawer somewhere for years and years, too, kind of like the one Ryan Bolana film. Well, I found a company online called Legacy Box that actually will, uh, because Costco doesn't do it anymore, and, and Rite Aid and Walgreens, they don't do slides anymore. So I found this company, Legacy Box, that would digitize old slides and they would digitize 16 millimeter film and I thought I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this so I had to box up this reel of film that I've had that sacredly entrusted to me you know 30 some years ago and send it off to this place in Chicago or somewhere and, and I was upset because my friend Tim my best friend Tim his birthday was on Tuesday this week and uh, I didn't hadn't gotten anything for him and it was this is it's his 65th birthday and I thought you know I should have done something special for his 65th birthday and I was kind of beating myself up about it like I always do pardon me I'm having a drink of coffee you know you stick with what you're good at <laughs> and uh, you boy and then that's good coffee Alice had come over that morning and we were working on a, a project for her and uh, as she was leaving there was a box out front and I looked at it and I was like and so it turned out that I was able to give Tim access to this Ronnie Buona film that none of us have seen since high school um, for his birthday. So that worked out very nicely. So the Ronnie Buona film rides again after all these years. It's so weird to think I was 18 when we were making that movie, or 17 or 18. We all were, and now I'm six, almost 65 years old looking back at this thing for the first time. It's kind of like an archaeological find. So I've been spreading it around to the people that I 
can make contact with who are in it. And it's just been delightful, people's reactions. It's just been like, oh my God, I forgot this even existed. Well, and especially because there's something about seeing yourself, because you see pictures of yourself, still Mm -hmm. pictures, but there's something about seeing you moving. And And it's a silent film. There's no sound. Right. There's no soundtrack. Well, most of the home movies that I have, uh, well, no, all of the home movies that I have from my youth, They're all silent. But it just seeing yourself move is quite amazing. Yes. Yes. And I remember... I loved that was, watching it because uh, I got to see you when you were... And you and Tim were the um, bright lights. Well, I mean, just because you were silly and funny. The, the, the role that I had in that play is... Tim and I have talked about this. It's kind of... It was a pretty juicy role and... I got to be just absolutely goofy and ridiculous. I got to wrestle a giant bat. I got to wear extremely silly clothing. You got to be sick on the airplane. I got to throw up on an airplane. <laughs> and I got to jump out of the airplane and uh, throw my parachute out first, of course. And then <laughs> and dive in after it. Dive out <laughs> after it. And, you know, and the stewardess tosses my jacket and hat after me. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of a, it was a silly play and it was but it was when I think about all the people that were involved in it and all the the lighting guys and this there was a sound guy playing off a reel-to-reel tape you know the incidental uh, sound effects and music and stuff and there were there were musicians and dancers and uh, it was quite the production to be mounted by a high school group of high school people and the empty space theater people really thought it was a good production so we got well, the, we got the uh, I've spoken of this before, but I think that the high school plays that I attended when I was, when my brother used to be in drama were some of the best things I had seen because mm-hmm. high school uh, dramatists are really sincere and really are working from passion, you know yeah. it's not there's nothing they're not getting paid they are they are the true. Doing it for the love of it, people. So that was a highlight of my week. And it kind of continues to reverberate because I'm still, I realize it just now, I haven't sent it to Patsy yet. Oh my gosh. And and Patsy is still doing dramatic work. Yeah. Stuff like that. But I mean, it was that. I mean, I've done a lot of community theater and things like that since then. But if I hadn't gotten encouraged back then, I don't think I would have been doing any of that stuff. Because, uh, Terry Meisenberg was an amazing, he's a young, tall, bearded, good looking, he looked like Paul McCartney, still does, and uh, really knew how to get you to, to, to feel free in your body and be able to do ridiculous things. And it was just a total blast all the way through. You know, and it, and it feels, I mean, whenever you start working on a production like that, it feels like it's impossible. There's no way this will possibly come together in time. <laughs> and uh, so that you have all that adrenaline kind of uh, going for months at a time. And it's not like the, you didn't, we, we still had, you know, we were still in high school. I was still in the Madrigal Singers and they were doing performances all the time. And so it was, it was a busy, busy time, but very good. And to be able to see Mr. Margelli, to be able to see Terry and, Tim and Roland and you know Diane and 
all these people when they were young. Uh, it's, it's great. I remember it. I remember those people. They were good people. They were good people then. They're probably decent people now. I bet <laughs> not more than eight or ten of them are in prison or have done any kind of hard time. <clears throat> you know. Anyway, that was a highlight for me. And we're uh, continuing to uh, to kind of carve away at the Henry Project, which I think is going to be lovely. It's going to turn out very well, and can't wait. So. Yeah, we're going to be working on that today. Yeah. So you know, I I feel busier than I've ever been, but I know it's not true. But and it's nice to to well, still. Well, I think you've been busier than you've ever been in in. Uh, occupations that you really enjoy right right i mean that's the way i feel i i feel like i'm not doing things for work but a lot of times when i feel like i'm wasting time i'm really not wasting time i'm pursuing passions and interests that i have like just watching that little documentary thing is that wasting time i actually just totally enjoy it and yeah. it gives me information about history and so, man, if I was in a history class and they were teaching that stuff, it'd be fascinating. Yeah, so. I found a little little documentary this morning on YouTube about George Thorogood and the Destroyers. Forty years of George Thorogood and the Destroyers, still bad to the bone, or something like that. That's and why it's I, so much fun to just. But people are just doing their passions. Yeah. That's how these little YouTube things come about. Yep. That's so cool. Yep. And. <sighs> I guess from the standpoint of just uh, reminiscence, the the fact that I I had a conversation with Kat recently, and I don't know why uh, John Denver came up in our conversation, um, but I was telling her that I just loved it because we both loved John Denver. And we never joined that train of people who in our day were saying, oh, he's great, and then, uh, he's so passe. Uh, we always loved him. Yeah. But I was telling her that one of my favorite songs, because she was talking about some of the songs that she loved, and I was telling her that one of my favorite songs was Sweet Surrender. And, and when we were talking about it, I actually got really emotional even because she was quite sure what the song was so I started reciting just the lyrics and I was overcome with emotion yeah. and choked up yeah. and I think a lot of it is that when you get to this point of your life and you think about something that's why I think it's kind of a nice tie into what you experienced right. when you think about a time of your life where you were um, pretty innocent of of what life was to bring, right. um, but at the same time, you recognize that your whole life has had that pattern, and so when I was reading the lyrics to her, I thought I'm still on this road to find out who I am, and I'm still um, in this place of loving life and I, I have never lost that because there's a period of your journey where you can really lose your love of life you know mm -hmm. and so I see the song as an entirely different 
focus than I did when I was younger. Right. In my youth, it was like, this is my journey forward. And now I'm looking at it thinking, well, it's still my journey forward. And it's also my my past journey right. being presented to me. Resonating th up through your life because it's attached itself to a particular time in your life when it attached itself to you. And so all of your lived experience since then has contained that. You know, so that you know, that happens with certain songs. They, you always get emotional when you hear it because it is your life story to some degree. It attached itself to your life yeah. story at an early point. I think that's one of the reasons that John Denver kind of became passe is because his music was was had a lot of innocence in it, and people thought you know, initially just absolutely loved it, and then they realized, oh well, he doesn't really. He doesn't know. get into the grit and yeah, grimy life right, that right. we're. But you know, it it was a good um, song to come into my mind because it it's connecting that feeling both for things that happened to you this week and things that happened for me this week. Because, you know, being reintroduced to Cindy and my... Just because I had always thought about that tape, and, and she is now one of my dearest friends. She was back in my youth, and now she is in my older age. The uh, Jim Page was a a hero and someone I never thought I'd know <laughs> in my youth. And now he's sitting in our living room and we're talking about all the times we've shared throughout this lengthy period from the time that I first saw him in 1970. I think we determined it was probably 1978. Up until now. And there's something that is so beautifully complete and you also see how all those threads that tied you in your youth still tie you in your adulthood you know like your uh, experience in drama has served you through a lifetime yeah. because even when you weren't in community theater the poetry break the treehouse the radio all those things were that kind of acting and acting goofy and um so i don't know it's just such a lovely thought that your life is circling around all the time one of the things that uh that bill and i had talked about at one point was you know a lot of people have this uh question that they say what would you have told your young self about life you know as an older person what would you tell your your young self and you immediately said uh, something like people come back you know all the people that you think you won't see again they come back yeah. and I love that when you said that because that's been my experience too yeah. it is true Diane when I think about the number of people that I was friends with in my youth that I am friends with now, it's pretty, it's a pretty dazzling list, you know, it really is. Having Karen and Gilles over uh, last week was an expression of that, you know, because Karen is somebody I've known since college, and I don't know, it's nice to have people that you can get together with and have all that resonance in the room with you, you know, all that history comes with them. It's a nice thing. Yeah. 
All right. So we, should we have a, let John take us out? Let's have John take us out. Lost and alone on some forgotten highway Traveled by many, remembered by few Looking for something that I can believe in Looking for something that I'd like to do with my life There's nothing behind me and nothing that ties me to Something that might have been true yesterday Tomorrow is open Right now it seems to be more than enough To just be here today And I don't know what the future is holding in store Don't know where I'm going, I'm not sure where I've been There's a spirit that guides me, a light that shines for me my life is worth living, I don't need to see the end. Sweet, sweet surrender, live, live without care, like a fish in the water. Looking for something that I can't believe in Looking for something that I'd like to do with my life There's nothing behind me and nothing that ties me to Something that might have been true yesterday Tomorrow is open Right now it seems to be more than enough To just be here today I don't know what the future is holding in store